0: welcome to episode three of the Scheist podcast. I am your host, Nick Scheist, and if you listen to the first couple of episodes, I truly appreciate it. I wasn't sure if I was going to do a solo show, but since I already launched it, and without doing any kind of introduction in those first two episodes, I figured it was probably a good idea to at least try to fly solo and see how it goes. Uh, So obviously, my real name isn't Scheist. It's a nickname that just sort of stuck, and I'm not even really sure where it came from exactly, but it's been around since after high school and it has served as a unique moniker. It is my username on Xbox Live, it's the name of my website, thescheiss.com, and it's carried over across social media platforms. I don't even think it's a real word, at least not the way I spell it, but rather than asking the why and how of things, I'd rather just roll with it. Uh, my actual name is Nick Bauer. I have my degree in broadcast journalism from Cal State Northridge. I worked as a contractor for Young Hollywood and briefly as a sports writer for LATV Film USA and as a writer for MMA Bulletin back during the WEC days. I also interned at KABC 790 AM radio here in Los Angeles, conducting and editing interviews, and writing scripts for on-air talent. Uh, I was a contributing writer at roguesonly.com before starting my own website in 2017, and I have been doing that ever since until I decided to also launch a podcast as well, since I had some extra time on my hands. This podcast is an extension of my website, thescheiss.com, and if you have followed me there over the past several years you'll know that my primary love is film the website primarily focuses on movie reviews and i started kind of doing some preview work as well um and just because movies are year-round it's easy to stay in the loop with that but i also write a lot about football during the season because i love it and especially the Buffalo Bills. I've occasionally written about mixed martial arts as well, but that's taken a back seat, although I started co-hosting the Nuts and Bolts MMA podcast before that went on hiatus. I still love the sport, and I'm actually watching the the PFL prelims on ESPN right now as I'm recording this, so there might be some out-of-context commentary heading your way, but I'm going to do my best to fill you in If something crazy happens, Uh, I did have some potential guests lined up for this week, but things didn't work out. So here we are. And I guess I should probably start with the Bills. Um, During the season, I started writing a weekly article called My Buffalo Blues because for the longest time, the Bills were not good. Um, I would say probably for the majority of my lifetime, the Bills were not good. There was 16, 17 seasons in a row where they didn't make the playoffs. And they were just kind of stuck in limbo until some new management came and, uh, well, new ownership first, then new management. And things have changed for the better over the past four seasons. The Bills have made the playoffs three times and they went to the AFC title game, one game short of the Super Bowl last year and lost to the Chiefs. Um, So... There's high hopes in Buffalo right now and for Bill's Mafia all across the world. There's a lot of expectation on this team this year. And unfortunately, probably the biggest story coming out of the offseason was their slot receiver, Cole Beasley, coming out as like a vehement anti-vaxxer. I mean, he actually has like a rap album and a song where he's rapping about being anti- Vax um now just recently I think yesterday both him and another receiver on the team were fined $15,000 each for failure to wear their mask in the team facility um and before that it happened Beasley uh Gabriel Davis Star Latulule and another player, I think it was an offensive lineman, who had to go into COVID protocol because of a Bills staffer testing positive, and those guys were in close contact with him. So they had to sit out their mandatory five-day, I don't know, suspension while everybody else still got to practice. So it's brought up a lot of interesting questions with how the NFL is going to handle the COVID situation and what the players on the Bills' decisions to not get vaccinated could potentially end up meaning to the Bills' Super Bowl hopes. It's a tricky situation because you have guys in leadership positions on the team that don't want to get the vaccine. And then you have the coach of the team who has stated publicly that he believes that it is the right decision to get the vaccine, but he can't force the players to. And honestly, it's not his position to force anybody to do that. Um, These guys are adults. They have the freedom to not get vaccinated. And at the end of the day, it is their choice. My, my, personal choice was to get vaccinated because I wanted to give myself and the people around me the best chance at having defense against COVID. um, If any of us were to get infected. So what's going on with the bills is that we're seeing how the NFL treats the unvaccinated players. So Cole Beasley is tested every single day. Well, I believe the the rules for vaccinated players are they're tested either once a week or once every two weeks. And I think even if they tested positive for COVID, as long as they're asymptomatic, they can resume practice with the team. Now, the problem is that the reason that Beasley and the other players were put into the COVID isolation protocol is because someone on the bill's staff who was vaccinated is the one who actually tested positive and put all of these players into the protocol. So we're looking at a situation where someone who is vaccinated is actually the carrier for the disease or for the virus, sorry. And he's the one putting people at risk. So in this situation, it's not the person who is unvaccinated that's transmitting it. And the people who were unvaccinated who didn't test positive were the ones on the receiving end of the disciplinary measures uh, in terms of suspension. I think as of today, they all rejoined practice and they're all back with the team. But it's something... To look at going forward, because even if the teams and the league want to mandate vaccinations for the players and for the staff, that has been shown that it's not exactly going to stop um, a positive test in a vaccinated person and then trickle down to these kinds of close contact protocols that get put in place. Um, So we could see a situation and we probably will see this situation throughout the season where staff members have positive cases and then continue to create uh, suspension protocols for players in close contact. It happened a lot uh, during the last season before the vaccine rollout really got underway. And I think we're going to be in a position, at least as Bills fans, well, let me back up a little bit. Because of everything that's gone on with Cole Beasley, it's kind of split the Bills fan base, at least with what I've seen, you know, following on Twitter. Um, You have the Bills fans that are backing Cole Beasley 100%, and then you have the other fans that are against him 100%, and basically want him cut at this point. Um, That's not going to happen. And I don't think that should happen. But what we've seen since then, which um, was the fines that were handed out to Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie, was that they failed to follow the team rules for wearing their masks in the facility. So it's one thing for the league and the team to not mandate vaccines because, Hey, you know what? Your employer says you don't have to be vaccinated. It's your choice. You don't have to be vaccinated. However, both the league and the team are requiring you to stay masked in certain parts of the training facility. And just because you feel like it's not an issue doesn't mean that you get to not wear your mask. You know, and a $15,000 fine is hefty, of course, but it's the league's goal to get people to comply with the rules, and a lot of players have come out against the rules that were collectively bargained for in terms of negotiating how COVID protocols are going to go into place for the new season, and a lot of players are not happy with it, um... I mean, the NFL Players Union is one of the stronger unions in terms of revenue split. Um, But it seems like they're giving up a lot of power here. Because there's a high percentage of the, the league that doesn't want to get vaccinated. And ultimately, if the NFL is not going to get the the owner's group together and have that be a league-wide mandate that the players need to get vaccinated, you'll continue to see a lot of players choose to not do so. However, that doesn't mean that these teams cannot put other rules into place that these players still have to follow. They all sign contracts. They all play for basically private entities, and those Entities have rules that they want to enforce. It's the same with any other job. So the idea that the punitive measures taken against players for not wearing masks is somehow wrong, I don't see it that way. If they can't follow the rules put forth by their organization, and they're not interested in trying to follow the rules, really the only way to hand out discipline to athletes at this level is to find them. I know we've seen it across a number of other different sports with a number of other different varieties, but I think we're going to continue to see a lot of it moving into the regular season. Um, On a positive note, the Bills are 2-0 in preseason, and they're heading into a game with Green Bay, who's 0-2. Josh Allen is going to start, so we'll finally see if all the practice work he's been putting in, if he looks sharp when he comes out. um, All accounts are that everything has been splendid in practice. It looks like they're having fun. He's looked great in the video that I've seen, so I'm excited to see him get out there and start to play at game speed again. He probably won't play very much. You know, you want to get him, like, maybe one or two series. You hope that he scores on the first drive and everything looked great and you can just take him out. Um... But realistically, you might even want to play him until halftime because Mitch Trubisky's been taking a lot of the snaps, and Mitch has looked good. You know, I'm happy. He's probably the best backup in the league right now, and that's a good situation for the Bills to have in case Allen uh, gets hurt. And then some other news, or probably the most notable thing coming out of Bills' camp was that Duke Williams, longtime fan favorite and practice squad guy finally officially got cut so he's free to go and play elsewhere and I wish him the best Duke was so much fun over the past few seasons and he actually had his moments in preseason um but it's just the Bills receiver room is tough super tough when you got Diggs and Beasley and Sanders and Davis and then you added Stevenson um and they just sign Sims Jr. um, to add a little bit of speed and potential kick returning ability, you know, that's just a tough, tough room for Duke to break into. And there is a road for him to get back onto the Bills and stay on that practice squad. But at this point in his career, if he can get a job somewhere else, it's probably in his best interest to go ahead and do so, and I think the majority of the Bills fans that know who he is would, you know, be happy to see him succeed elsewhere as long as it's not somebody within the AFC East, and if he ends up on the Chiefs and, you know, they end up beating the Bills in the uh, conference championship game again and he plays well, then that's not going to be, you know, a a fan-friendly moment there, but so be it. Um, Let's see. Speaking of football, we do have our fantasy draft coming up. We expanded our league to 12 teams, and it's mostly standard scoring with a little bit of adjustments here and there to try and balance things. And my girlfriend also plays in the league and she is going to come in here when we do our draft and we're going to do uh we're going to do a live draft episode and see what happens. Um and then once our season is underway, we are going to probably do a weekly show. That's what I, that's ideally what I would like to do. Is either on maybe Friday nights or Saturday morning. We'll come in here and we'll talk a little fantasy football and we'll go through our picks for the week and we'll just we'll look at what the season or we'll look what uh, the current week has to offer and cover any maybe important news that, uh, has broken at the time, and, uh, aside from that, I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I think it'll be fun. Uh, she's better than I am at fantasy football now, so I tell her just whatever advice I give her, do the opposite, and she'll probably be in good shape. Um, that's interesting. Referee just, uh, stood this fight up from... Look like... Not, not quite quarter mount, but I guess half guard and Moffat had top position and was landing strikes and just a little surprised to see it get stood up there other than, I don't know, the PFL's weird. But speaking of PFL, I don't know, since I have it on, we'll talk about it a little bit. I hate their fighter performance rating. I get the idea of what they're trying to do is to create some sort of algorithm that quantifies on a scale of 1 to 100, how a fighter did in each round so that the fans at home can easily just look at a number and be like, well, this guy won the round. The problem is, I went into the explanation for how their system works, and it's kind of a breakdown of the scoring criteria. But really, it only talked about striking, so there was no emphasis in their explanation on grappling control or submission attempts or positioning or cage control or any anything like that um the fighter performance rating really only looks at three different tiers of striking quality one being like a standard jab level two is more like a power punch or power strike and then level three is a power strike that visibly you know doesn't necessarily incapacitate, but results in a knockdown or wobbles the opponent or what have you. The problem is there's spotters, human people around the ring, or the cage in this case, looking for these particular type of strikes to plug into the algorithm that comes up with the score. And now to me, that sounds an awful lot like judging, which the sport already has. So it's just, I don't see what it actually does. I don't see what benefit it actually has. The smart gauge tracks striking speed, which is cool because you can actually see which fighter is striking with more force. Um, it has a live display of the total strikes landed. So somebody watching at home who's not super familiar can just see the total strike number and see who's doing better. I think that's a great idea, but the fighter performance rating needs to be worked on. Um, What I find particularly interesting about the PFL is that it's also on ESPN. So ESPN came up with their deal to pay the UFC whatever they pay them to put their shows on, but they also invested in the PFL. So they also invested in this upstart league that has maybe a little bit better use of technology. Um, It has referee cam, so it's a little bit more innovation in terms of how the the sport is presented on camera and to the audience. Um, And I assume it's way cheaper, although they do give out a million dollar prize to the tournament winner, which does seem like, you know, more incentive for some of these fighters than taking a smaller contract to go and you know start climbing the ladder in the UFC um there's been a lot of talk about fighter pay I don't know probably the last six months it's heated up a lot since the Francis Singano and John Jones fight didn't happen that's I think what really set it off um It's an issue that I want to get into, but I don't think this is the episode I want to do it on. Um, I'd rather bring in a guest who's also familiar with it so we can talk about it a little bit more in depth. But for the time being, let's just say that it's going to remain an issue until the fighters either unionize or... They all get way better at self-promoting or get really good managers. Or there's more competition to the UFC, which there currently isn't that much. But we'll circle back to that. Um, I don't know. At this point, I have no idea how long I've been recording for. Maybe half an hour. I don't know. We'll see if I want to keep going. Dropping stuff in the office. Uh, You know, since movies are a big part of what I do and what I talk about on a regular basis. We'll go over the release radar for this week, so... At least there's some synergy between what I'm doing on the podcast and what I'm doing on the website. Um, I guess top of the list would be Candyman. This is Nia DaCosta's reimagining of the... I don't know, I guess it is a cult classic... Because when Candyman first came out in 92, you know, it had like a reputation of being this like very gory horror movie, which it was, but it also, I don't remember it being like widely praised as being a good horror movie. Um, It's memorable because of what it is, but this film is, you know, they're calling it like a spiritual successor to Candyman. So... We have tickets to go see that tonight. I'm hoping that it's good. Most most of the early reviews are good, and this movie was put on the back burner last year around this time because of COVID concerns, and Nia Costa wanted to have her film in theaters and thought it was an important film to have in theaters. And at the time, there's some other movie bloggers who disagreed with this idea that wanted this movie to come straight to streaming for their convenience. And while I understand being hesitant to go to the movie theaters or not being able to go to the theaters because of COVID at the time, that it's a lot to ask of your fans to put themselves in danger to go see this movie however this is a project that is hers and it's her intellectual property so if she can get the studio and theaters to agree with pushing the release date and moving it back and she feels that the experience in the theater is what she wants that's her choice as movie bloggers it's not our choice um and I will always probably err on the side of supporting the artist. So I'm happy that it's out, I'm happy that I get to go see it, and it looks awesome, Uh, and I'll let you know. I'll write it up probably Monday, um, or if I get another show in over the weekend, I can talk about it, but until then, I will let you know. Um, The other one that's The only other one that's really interesting to me is, there's only, first of all, there's only four new films coming out this week, and the only other one that's interesting to me is Together. It's a low-budget indie film that just takes a minimalist approach to this couple and their child living through the early quarantine stages of COVID, and maybe how their relationship intensifies and potentially fractures as a result. Now, it sounds ominous (laughs) in that description. It really isn't. Um, If you watch the trailer for it, it looks really funny. If you ever watch the show Catastrophe, Sharon Horgan, who is on that show, kind of carries that character over into this film and she's very funny, and the movie looks funny, and she's paired with James McAvoy, who, you know, has done a lot of higher-profile stuff, like Glass and finishing up the X-Men series, and he was in Atomic Blonde, so he's had a lot of these, like, high-profile roles where he hasn't really had the opportunity to go back to something like this in a while, and I'm excited to see him get the opportunity to do that because he is a great performer, and stuff he did like Last King of Scotland was fantastic, so I'd like to see him have the opportunity to take more roles that have less expectations placed upon them. And aside from that, you've got a Bob Ross documentary coming out on Netflix. Um, I don't know, the trailer doesn't show anything, so... If you're really interested in Bob Ross and potentially some dark stuff going on behind the scenes with him, then that sounds like it's probably going to be up your alley. And I think the only other film, it's called The Colony. It's a German movie, um, but it's in English, and it's about a you know dystopian future where Somebody comes back, an astronaut comes back to Earth and has to deal with kind of the, the aftermath of Earth falling apart and has to come to some decisions on how to handle the remaining survivors on the planet. So it looks kind of interesting. Um, for my personal taste, I like weird dystopian sci-fi with high concept, so I'm on board with that. You've got Ian Glenn... Who played Sir Jorah Mormont on Game of Thrones? This is why I wanted to do the show with somebody else because it gives me someone to actually have a conversation with. Like, I can come in here and I can talk into a void, but it's weird. You know, I like talking, but I'm not a disc jockey here. I'm not playing songs. I wish I could. That would be great. We could do new music, uh, new music Fridays. That would be awesome. Um, But speaking of music, when I'm not doing the website or the podcast or anything else, on Fridays I have my Instagram account Sound and Flavor where I take a song idea or an artist or an album idea and I just try and transform that into a flavor for either cookies or cake, or ice cream, mostly cookies though. So, as an example, today the artist I chose was uh, Gift of Gab, who was part of Black Alicious. And he passed away back in June. Um, and I had wanted to figure out a way to, you know, make a flavor for him for a while. And it wasn't until, I don't know, the other day where I just put the Blazing Arrow album back on and listen to it and it's a phenomenal album it's fantastic it's one of my favorite rap albums from that early 2000s era and it's got probably i want to say it has maybe like three or four like great songs on it and a lot of good ones and one of my all-time favorite rap songs is on that album first in flight i just i don't know it's one of the best ever And it kind of like defines the style of rap music in terms of that era of rap around the 2000s. I don't know, I'm getting in over my head. But nonetheless, the cookie flavor we made today is called Blazing Arrows. It's triple chocolate. So we used Dutch baking cocoa, organic cacao, and chocolate chips. In the dough and uh, six chili powder and then these are rolled in it's called hot Steve sea salt which is by this company beautiful briny sea and they make these really insanely delicious sea salt blends and this particular one has like cayenne and paprika and chili powder and sea salt and All of it works together really nicely, and so every Friday, I'm typically, well, I would like to do it every Friday, but I've been slacking because I've been working on building the podcast out and staying on top of film reviews and working on other things, so I haven't been doing it every Friday like I used to, but typically every Friday we're launching a new flavor, and if you want to check that out, awesome, please do. Um, and that's sound and flavor at Instagram. And while we're talking about new music, a friend of the show, Suzanne Santo, um, her new album "Yard Sale" came out today, and I was listening to it earlier, and it's a little bit different than her first album. Um, the production is more complex and bring some new elements to play that weren't there in ruby red um but so far i like it um i i had heard three of the tracks off of it um before this and she had played an acoustic version of her song mercy for me um i don't know it was last year we had, we had a Zoom call, and we talked a little bit about, you know, what she had gone through uh, in the early days of the pandemic, and she played this song for me and my girlfriend, and I thought it was fantastic. And the album version brings in a lot of production elements to that song that uh, I didn't expect to be there, but that work really nicely with it. So check that out. It's called Yard Sale. It's available on Spotify and every other music streaming platform right now. Um, I pre-ordered the album, but I ordered the green exclusive vinyl. So I'm going to have to wait a while to get that. So I may just, I may just order a regular copy of the album and have it shipped because the Spotify quality is decent, but I don't want to pay to have the Apple Music version of the album and then also have the final come with the download code later, so, you know, I'd rather just support her while I can, and, you know, she's going on tour right now, she just had her album release party in Austin, and she's heading out on her tour, and she's not coming to LA this year, so that's a bit of a bummer, because when she lived in LA, um, she did a lot of local shows, so it was super easy to go, and um, there was you know, besides just when she was touring the album, like, she would just go and play, like, some small venues around town, and it was really easy to go see her. But she moved to Austin, Texas uh, to help her career, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, but you can listen to her on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, you can listen to her, uh, she's done some other, like, Americana music podcasts. If you go on her social media, you'll see links to some of the different things she's done where you can hear her talk about what moving to Texas has done for her and hey fingers crossed if she's not busy and she wants to come on the show and talk with me that's great we'll see if it happens I mean maybe I can pull some strings but it's not like we're best friends but we're friendly and she's always been super kind to me and my girlfriend so um shout out to Suze congrats on the album drop she's not going to listen to this but anybody else listening to the show that wants to check out some new music yard sale is out right now and I actually wanted to have one of her songs as the intro music for this podcast but it's going to be really expensive so I opted to not do that unless she gives me a discount which we'll see Okay, so things started to go a little bit more smoothly there down the stretch. Got a little bit more comfortable doing the solo thing. It's just, it's weird to be in here in my office isolated and to be doing this, so I'm going to focus on getting more guests more regularly. Um, And hopefully I have some good ones lined up. I don't know. I guess I got to go back and listen to the whole thing now and see what it sounds like and see if i want to actually uh publish this whole episode because i would like to continue to do weekly episodes so i think that's gonna do it then and um, until next time thanks for listening thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode if you enjoyed it please help me out by liking subscribing and sharing from wherever you get your podcasts this show is an extension of thescheiss.com where you can find movie reviews recommendations and more if you'd like to be a guest on the show you can contact me at nick at com. and until next time be well stay safe and go bills